0: Shalom
1: and welcome to the Segula Discussion Podcast, the show where we discuss how discipleship to Messiah Yeshua informs our choices and actions in everyday life. My name is Daria Frostad, and with me today is my husband Ben. And today we have a special guest on our show, some friends of ours, Joshua and Diana Nunez.
2: Great. So yeah, Joshua and Diana and their four children are currently living in southern Mexico where they're serving Yeshua as missionaries. So, welcome to the show, and thanks for for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having us. Yes,
2: it's a joy and a privilege
0: to join you. We've heard a few few other podcasts of yours, and it was such a wonderful time hearing your thoughts and your heart Mm -hmm. for Messiah Mm -hmm. and for his
2: body. So, yeah, we've enjoyed uh, getting to hear updates from you guys as you've, Uh, made the transition from the States down to Mexico, and I guess just wanted to give you the opportunity to share a bit about what was it that led you to uproot your family out of, you know, what you might say, a comfortable living environment in the United States and to go and serve in some of the poor areas of Mexico.
0: Well I think we both from a young age had a heart for the nations and I guess you could say for what Yeshua refers to to the least of these Mm -hmm. and even from the time we got married that became our email to the least at gmail.com just in case you want to email us (laughs) Uh, and that was our heart that God would use us towards reaching not just the least to do good deeds, but really starting with the primary point, which is bringing good news to the poor. Mm-hmm. And wow, there's many, many poor, and especially in southern Mexico. And from a young age, I would say uh, even Diana would sleep with her passport next to her <laughs> next to her bed, <laughs> her nightstand, just saying, "Lord, if you say go, I have my passport, and I'm ready to grab a bag and go."
2: Wow. This has been on your heart for a long time.
1: Oh, absolutely. When we were first married, we thought that we were would immediately transition into Central South America, and the Lord had other plans, um, a, a lot of other plans. <laughs> yeah. So what has it been, what, 12 years and four children later? <laughs> we, we are here in Mexico, but, and that was a lot longer than we thought we would wait, but he had a lot of work to do, I think, in all of us in preparing us for this transition.
0: Yes. And it, it really is a big transition, as you mentioned. What would lead us to do that is, I think, that's something Diana and I have been really reflecting on, that you can have all the knowledge in the world. You can have all the language, the original languages, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic and what, what will really propel us to action. Mm-hmm. And I think when we read Yeshua's words, when we read his parables like the Good Samaritan, where you have a priest, you have a Levite, far more knowledgeable of Torah, far more knowledgeable of how to live a God-fearing, God-pleasing, holy life, separated from what is clean and unclean, and so forth. And yet you have this Samaritan man that one could argue knew far less than a priest and a Levite. And yet the key word there, which I think should be what is working in all of us who follow Yeshua, is the word compassion. Mm -hmm. The word compassion leads us from thoughts and head knowledge alone to doing something with that. It leads us propels us to action. It takes that love and puts it on the road, (laughs) so to speak. Um, And of course, here in Mexico, just a little background, I was born and raised in Mexico, in Guadalajara. And so from a young age, I always thought, well, whoever God gives me as a wife and the children that God may give me, I'd love to eventually come back to Mexico or go to a Spanish-speaking country as Vienna, South Central or South America and share what God has done uh, now for generations in our own family. Mm-hmm. And God brought us to Southern Mexico on a short notice. It all happened basically around July 1st. We made a phone call and by September 22nd, we had sold our home in beautiful Washington State and beautiful nature-wise when it comes to (laughs) uh, the the society itself it needs a lot of light as well and and we love sharing there too but we have definitely a heart and then a calling to come to southern Mexico and we gave all of our possessions away packed up suitcases for each of us and came down.
2: Wow that's amazing so tell us a little bit about the area of Mexico that you're in
0: the area we are in is the southernmost state. It used to actually belong to Guatemala, and through different historical events, it, became, it ended up being part of Mexico. In short, <laughs> and it is the poorest country, a poorest state of the country. Um, the education level is the lowest. The healthcare system is the—I guess you could say—the one that is most in need of. Updates. <laughs> Updates and equip doctors and modernized equipment and everything. So mm-hmm. there's poverty no matter which way you put it. Education, health, economics, job opportunities. In addition, uh, there's many, many people of different dialects. So not everybody here speaks Spanish as a first language or at all. Mm-hmm. So when you put all of that together, it's a state that has many more layers than the traditional uh, state in Mexico, where most people speak Spanish. And there's other reasons why things aren't going ahead here, because there's many people groups that don't know how to read or write. Um, education hasn't taken off as it would in regular, larger cities that then impact their rural areas. This is kind of a mixture of, <laughs> I don't even know how to put it. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, and you didn't actually mention the state, it's the state of Chiapas.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the state of Chiapas.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> so we, neither one of us had ever actually been this far south in Mexico before. So this has been very new um, road that we're both traveling together as a family. And yeah. really
0: and and it has tested us in more ways than we ever imagined and in one sense it's kind of like getting married and having children not fully being aware but you do it out of love you do it because you're committed and then you learn as you go kind of a way because really the best training to be a spouse obviously you don't want to go in just without any kind of accountability or training (laughs) but Truly, marriage itself is what makes a couple grow over time. Mm-hmm. And same thing with having children. You, you you get prepared. You may read books. You may go through some uh, training on what birth is going to be like and how to... But you'll
1: never yeah. know until you're there. Mm-hmm. In the thick of it. <laughs> Such yeah. as is life and as <laughs> a missionary. Yes,
0: and that's what we were talking about a little bit earlier is that the the going as disciples from Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, to the ends of the earth isn't something that just in our own minds or human ability can be accomplished or we would have endurance or strength to do. Uh, you know, when you're encountered by different sicknesses you didn't expect, living situations you didn't expect, traveling situations. I mean the list can go on and on. Even yesterday as we were sharing with people, we mentioned how Diana's ladies got eaten up by at least 20, 30 <laughs> bug, you know, mosquito bites yeah. and that. And you have to ask, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. And the answer is it's definitely worth it. When Messiah gave his life to love us while we were yet sinners, at the right time he came and gave his life. And even for Messiah, the mission was extremely hard. He wanted, he wanted the cup to pass from him. He was sweating blood. It was something that was so strong, and we haven't suffered to that point. And so we have one that will help us and strengthen us and not only that but we were talking about how yeshua in matthew chapter 28 with what people call the great commission he starts off right before he says go or as you go or make that your lifestyle (laughs) your halakha he says all authority has been given to me and he Sandwiches that with, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And that is what I, all the disciples from his days to today is the mission is impossible unless we're going in him who has all authority. And unless we're certain that he is with us always, even to the end of the age. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so beautiful is you get to experience his power like never before, like Acts 1. You know, this time where we're counting the Omer to Shavuot, to Pentecost, uh, he tells the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem because I'm still going to give you what I promised. Mm -hmm. And he says he's going to give us a spirit because in order that we would have power, and that word is dynamis in the Greek, where that's where we get the word dynamite. <laughs> yeah. So for this mission, we need to have dynamite in us. <laughs> and so dynamis, that we will be as witnesses from Judea, Samaria, uh, sorry, Judea, um, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that is what we've experienced in small and greater scales and you know, that's what the body of Messiah needs. Yeah. We need to live in that dynamis and that power to do something that in and of ourselves we would prefer to be safe in a controlled environment mm-hmm. with our predictable routines. And yet here as a family of six, even when we do the best job planning,
1: yeah, it doesn't <laughs> always <happens>. go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so one of the things we've really appreciated in, um, you know, talking with you guys, and just from what you've shared, your heart to minister as a family, and to have your kids involved in that as well, right? It's not just, you know, one of the parents has a ministry and the family's taking along, but you're really involving your whole family in, in this together. So what's that been like? And, um, you know, even what is, this whole transition been like for your kids?
1: I think Joshua and I, um, something that was really heavy on our hearts is that we have been around many missionary kids, many um, children of just people in ministry. Mm-hmm. And we we've seen the disconnect and even the resentment that the next generation can have when they feel like they're, second class to the ministry and kind of just pushed aside that to us was just like a tragedy of tragedies. And so um, that's something that we have a strong conviction that if we were ever to go, Lord, if you would ever send us, allow us to, to stay close knitted as a family and to to work together as a family and to walk this road of faith as a family, which means We have to say no to certain things when we observe that our children are at the end of their (laughs) limits, or we as parents are at the end of our limits. And so that we have a very dear friend of ours that says that we, because we're traveling as a family, we have to remember that we have to travel at grazing speed, which means we can't go any faster than our little sheep can keep up with. And yeah. that, that stays in my mind and that, just that um, picture stays in my mind as, as we make decisions and as we go as a family. So um, that I've really appreciated his words in that. Mm-hmm. Um, some, something that I was telling Joshua this morning that popped into my head as we sort of, were really considering coming as a family to Mexico the whole year before we we took off and moved from Washington, the kids and I had been reading missionary biographies mm-hmm. together. There's this great series called um, I think YWAM Publishing puts it out, but it they've it's called Christian Heroes Then and Now. But they'll take a missionary and it's a whole biography of their life. And I was reading them out loud to the children, and they were on the edge of their seats, just loving every minute of these biographies. And when I would finish a chapter, they'd say, oh, mom, please, one more chapter before we go to bed. Um, and one, I can specifically remember one day reading from, I think it was Gladys Albert's um, biography, which is especially good. Uh, and we we invited Joshua, and we said, Joshua, would you like to come and, and sit down and read with us the, the biography? And he was in the kitchen, and, and I remember this as clear as day. He turned around and said, let's write our own biography. <laughs> Let, let's write our own story. <laughs> wow. And so that, I feel like that's what the Lord has given, has given us an opportunity to do as a family. He used that time to really prepare my children of what it is to have a life of faith, what it is to trust God, even when things are so hard. But instead of sitting and reading in a book, things God could do as a family, my children are being able to experience day by day, what it is to really trust God when you're exhausted or when someone's standing in front of you and has, nothing and has no daily food or has lost their hope or doesn't have a limb or all these things that we had read about for days and days and months in before coming. And so it's been a, a privilege and a joy to do it as a family and really, in I think we can both agree, our kids have led the way we've been shocked at how resilient, even when we are at the end of what we feel capable of, one of our children will come up and say, we we need to worship him. We need to just worship God. Specifically, my older daughter, she was so sick and she had just been vomiting and vomiting. And I think Joshua and I were so concerned for her and we're looking at each other going, we we have to find some kind of competent medical care for her, which was almost impossible where we were. Um, What are we going to do? And she came out, and she laid down next to us, and just started singing, "Good, good Father, that's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are." And we tears streamed down our face just to see the faith that she had to worship God even when she was so, so sick. So I think these are, this is bringing us together as a family. We're learning how to to grow in faith together and how to encourage one another when we can see a part of the family struggling. And I think our kids are doing it and they don't even realize (laughs) they're doing it.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's so inspiring.
0: Uh, Genesis 18, 19, God speaking says, For I have known him, referring to Abraham, For I have known him in English, it usually says chosen him. So that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of Adonai by doing righteousness and justice, so that Adonai may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And for us, that is something we got to share at the pastors and leaders event that we had a couple of weeks ago is that the whole context of God's plan is through the family. Mm-hmm. And it can't be yesterday's heroes of the faith and yesterday's stories. And I think that's why I shared what I shared with the other one. They invited me to come here, another chapter or read another portion of the book. It was like, we love these stories, yet how can we continue the stories and and stand on the shoulders of of the faithful men and women that have gone before us, Mm -hmm. starting from Abraham, who Mm -hmm. left everything to go to where God had sent him. And so this passage from Genesis 18, 19 is something we pray for that will be generational. That's why we want to include our children into everything. It's not, it's not like work and ministry is daddy and mommy or just daddy goes off and then the kids and mommy figure out life at home for eight to 12 hours a day. But no, it's something we want to do together and we're willing to change our lifestyle, change our priorities so that we can be a family that worships, which means serves our King together out here where there's so much need. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that need, (laughs) um, I guess I will share one story that continues to go over and over in my mind because that was kind of what made me fall in love with Deanna in the first place was seeing her heart of compassion. Uh, First, she shared some of her stories to India and Nepal where the poverty is, I mean, it seems like even the poverty in Mexico is almost middle-class, maybe wealth, compared to what she saw in India and experienced there. And she showed me pictures of touching the lowest caste who who had never been touched, loved, spoken to, They're treated like animals. Uh, Some people had been poured acid on their faces and their face had been disfigured, disfigured, almost molding itself like monstrously into their neck and torso. I mean, things like that. They're like
1: honor killings gone wrong. Yes.
0: And when I saw Diana touching these people and loving them and sharing them, the love and compassion of Messiah, I remember saying, Lord, if these are the hands that I could hold the rest of my life, I would be the most blessed man in the whole world. <laughs> and then of course we had a trip right before, right as we right after we had met, and I saw her pouring herself and to, towards the people, the poor people in Baja California. And again, that reiterated, that reaffirmed that she was a real deal. She was willing to touch the people that Yeshua came to touch. Yeshua didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. And sometimes it's hard for us, especially if we become the to how clean our countries and, and, and the first country worlds are. And everything's sanitized. You go into a store, everything's clean and in order. All the meat is packaged. And here <laughs> it's so different. But the other day we were walking on the streets of San Cristobal uh, uh, about an hour and a half or so away from where we're living. And we were at that event that we were doing for leaders. And as we came out of this store, there was this young gal and she was sitting there. And at at the age of a year and a half, hot water had been poured on her face, on her head. So her eyes were disfigured. She had no hair on her head except on the back part. Mm -hmm. So it almost looked like her head and forehead and face were almost like melted melted together. Literally they were. Mm -hmm. And it was Diana's 40th birthday. That was a few weeks ago. And right away we went to her and we started to share the hope of the future kingdom when Yeshua is going to come and restore all things. And then Diana got down on her knees and put her hand on her shoulder and just started to tell her how much we loved her and how much God loved her. And then said a beautiful, beautiful prayer that this young girl, her name is Nayeli, started to just tear up and laugh. And she couldn't believe that God would love her through this woman, Diana, that had a heart of compassion where everybody else would just walk by. And then we sang a song uh, with her about being special regardless of what's on the outside. And people started to gather around and look at us kind of like, what are you doing? (laughs) And I would say those kind of things make up for any of the hardships or the challenges that we've experienced over these last seven months is when you get to see the heart of Messiah working through broken vessels like we are, it is, it really propels you, it empowers you, like Yeshua said, that we would be given that kind of power to do his work. Mm -hmm. So that's just one of (laughs) how so many
1: that that day had been kind of, I don't know if you've ever experienced on your birthday where you just kind of have a day of deep introspection and they can kind of be sad sometimes. And I was kind of having a hard day and that just turned everything around for me because I, I'm actually still learning Spanish. I would say I'm like intermediate, but I struggle. I, I understand pretty fluently, but I... I have a hard time speaking. I feel tongue tied sometimes. And I felt so strongly at that moment that I was supposed to go and talk to this young girl. And, you know, obedience really looks the same, whether you're in Canada, or you're in the US, or you're in some far off village in Timbuktu. It's Will you say yes to what the Lord is putting before you? And I experienced in that moment, just God, I still stumbled over my words, but I, I, I literally felt like the Lord took over my mouth and said what she needed to hear. And I got up as we were saying goodbye and we walked back to the car and I felt just the Lord speak to my heart. This is who you are. This is what makes you feel the most alive. It doesn't, nothing else in all of the world matters because this is what you're made for. And I think we've had highs and we've had lows, but the Lord on on this journey together, but the Lord always, always brings it back to you're made to walk in love. You're made to be obedient, to do hard things, to get bug bitten legs all over the place. Like even the Lord that last night, as I was looking down at my legs that were just like eaten to pieces by mosquitoes. The verse that came to my heart was how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news on the mountaintops. And there's a price to be paid to saying yes to the Lord, whether wherever you are, there's a price. And, and yet, there's this, a tasting of his faithfulness and his strength in our time of need and in our weakness that we can't get any other way unless we say, yes, Lord, well, I'll do this. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. And you get to come face to face with his sufficiency and your weakness. And it's, it's awesome.
2: Wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. So I guess, uh, one sort of remaining question is it seems like there is not always an interest in missions among some believers and i mean i know we're we're both familiar with the uh, messianic movement uh, among pro torah pro-Torah followers of yeshua and and uh, but not just there i mean some places it, it, there's just not a lot of interest and, and why do you think that is, and what do you think is the answer? How can we even even if I'm not personally called to necessarily go to another country, how can I be more engaged with Yeshua's global mission and uh, have more of a heart for what he's doing in this earth?
0: Well, that's a great question, and we, we may need to continue this uh, on <laughs> in the future as well. But yeah. we'll see, uh, Um, share a few thoughts at least and last night I was sharing with the man we met at the park downtown Tuxla, who has been in Hebrew roots and different things he called. he's just hungry he wants to know what really is the truth and what it means to be a disciple and I shared with him that there are three key things, and that's after one has come to new life in Messiah, whether you call it rebirth, born again, whatever it is, um, we know that that work has to start where now we're children of God and not children of our old human nature that is self-focused. And I said, Yeshua said there was three basically things in order to do his will, in order to be his disciple. And he says the first one is to deny yourself. And our human nature, in order to go and do the Great Commission, as many call that, uh, what Yeshua said to go to the nations and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to teach all that I commanded, in order to do that, uh, it's not going to happen. It's not something we, by nature, want to do apart from living in the Spirit and that new identity we have in Messiah. So I think the first thing is learning how to deny ourselves that we came into this world without anything and we're gonna leave this world without anything. And the only thing we'll have to show is our faith in Messiah, our treasures in heaven and keeping God's commandments. And I would say, especially for the Torah community, Messianic community, whichever term we want to use for that, <laughs> that if we are gonna be people that agree and understand that it's following Yeshua, empowered through the Holy Spirit and according to all of Scripture, yeah. that going and making making disciples is a commandment. It's yeah. not a suggestion. <laughs> yeah. And so I would say that's one is coming to the point where living for him really means living for him and what he told us we should do until he comes back. And and again, I, I would say the other part is our love and our knowledge, our love for God and our knowledge of God needs to be propelled by mm-hmm. compassion so that that love and that knowledge will be turned into something of action. Mm. And we would love to see more people. Yeah. Um, you know, as we've, talked and prayed and you've encouraged us over here is there is so much work to be done even though this area if you look at the statistics has been reached the reality most of the state and many parts of Mexico are completely unreached Uh, the true gospel hasn't been shared Uh, people just kind of change one form of religion from Catholicism to something that's better that may not have idols or may not include the you know getting drunk or other habits that are okay and maybe a different religion but they've never read the scripture. one is they don't know how to read and so we need laborers that are willing to read the Word of God to teach the Word of God like Yeshua said and teaching all that I commanded. And there is Yeshua in his days. Here's the master of the world here on the earth. And he says that the harvest is great. There's so much work to be done, and yet the labors are few. And if that was true back then, it's still true today. And we would encourage the body of Messiah to stand up and realize that one of the greatest mitzvah. Well, one of the greatest command meets both one of the greatest commands we could do is to go and make disciples.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's so many ways to be involved too with what the Lord is doing globally. Yes, there are goers, but yes, there are stayers too and we have an awesome awesome group of stayers that pray for us and that write to us and call us and Stay connected with our children and, and have video conferences and, and just see it into our lives. And, and we're so absolutely grateful for that. So there are lots of ways to be engaged with what God is doing globally. And I think if you have children, it is it's imperative. I grew up in a congregation that was really um, just very much engaged with what God was doing around the world. And for my faith as a child to see that the gospel was exploding in Africa just the same way that it was exploding in India or in, you know, wherever else it, it was. So it made God so big for me. Like the, my idea of what he was doing. Wasn't just my hometown. It was every tongue tribe and nation. And I think that that's really important for our children, for the next generation to just have in their vision of who God is that he, he's working in hearts all over the world. And there's, there's a place for each one of us to seed into that and to pray too, um, for, even for those in chains. There are many people in chains for their faith right now and we're not supposed to forget them. So whatever your gifting is, um, God, God is going to use it <laughs> for his global harvest.
0: I think speaking of Romans 15, which Paul is speaking of Isaiah, is how will people hear Mm
1: -hmm. unless
0: someone proclaims, preaches this gospel? But then how will people preach if they're not sent? And so I would say we have to be, the body of Messiah has to be a group of people who are willing to send people, Mm -hmm. and there has to be people that are equipped to go as sent ones. Yeah. And I think together that's what, you know, we can't all go and we can't all stay. Just like we all can't breathe Mm -hmm. only inwardly, we have to also exhale. And I think that's when the body of Messiah becomes the strongest is when the people who are staying are helping people go. Mm -hmm. And then the people going are sharing the stories which Mm -hmm. make the people in the communities that on the home base, if you will, grow in their faith faith and and their
2: strength yeah yeah exactly wow that's great um well it's been uh, such an encouragement to uh to hear from you guys to hear your stories and to uh just see how the father is using you there in mexico and we uh, will continue to pray that uh, god will direct you and and use you guys as you minister for his name. Mm.
0: Thank Thank you so so much much. for sharing this time with us. And as we all prayed together, this would be a blessing. It was a blessing for us, but that it would also be a blessing for all that God would lead to your podcast with Siddharth. And most importantly, for the glory of our Father, our Savior, Yeshua. Amen.
2: Amen. Yeah. So uh yeah, so if someone is interested in more information, then they can reach out to you at your email address. So it's two, the number two, and then the least yeah. at gmail.com. That's correct.
1: correct.
2: Perfect. Yeah. All right.
0: If anybody's interested in coming this way, we'd love yeah. to to work together and share with you what what God is doing here. And I think that's something which maybe later we can Talk about more is how do we get equipped for this? Because even though with our experiences going abroad and so forth, wow, we realize it's we would have liked to maybe have known a little bit more, but I think it was also God's wisdom to just send us as we were and learn as we went. (laughs) But how to equip the body of Messiah with what we were talking about.
2: Yeah. May the Father send workers into his harvest field. Amen all right well with that uh, we're going to wrap up our conversation for this time so the segula discussion podcast is brought to you by segula.net our goal is to cast a vision for a healthy and mature messianic torah movement and deal with issues that affect our everyday lives as disciples of yeshua if you have suggestions for topics that we should discuss on this show send us an email at feedback at segula.net whether you are a Messianic, Christian, Torah observant, or whatever lingo you prefer, we hope this conversation has been a blessing to you. And together, may we all become a glorious people in Messiah.